Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today, Ara Sims, is the CEO and founder of Cutie Beauty. Ara originally graduated from UC Berkeley, and this year she launched Cutie, well, last year, 2020, yeah. <laughs> amid, the, amid the global COVID 19 pandemic. And she's been able to act on one of the many opportunities that social distancing and shutdowns have created and made it easy to use nail stickers made of 100% nail polish for people to personally style themselves at home. It's great to see these opportunities. And Ara became part of Michelle Obama's quote when we all vote initiative and launched her own line of nails to encourage more people to vote in the past 2020 election. She also received a $20,000 grant via the TLFX new program to partner with and support founders who are women of color. And Cutie is one of those brands that we've seen quickly rise by being able to adapt to the times and challenges created by COVID-19. We call these silver linings. So let's get started and hear more about how Ara has made that growth possible. Ara Sims, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adam, thank you to have me. Well, thank you for having me. How are you doing? <laughs> we are doing great. Well, awesome. So Many of my folks, many of my tribe, they may not know you. So I'd love if we could just take a moment and bring everyone up to speed. Tell us, you know, who you are and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. My name is Ara Sims, and I am from Los Angeles, California, born and raised in Windsor Hills. Um, went to UC Berkeley, like Adam said, uh, started off as a real estate investor. Um, I got my early start actually when the housing market crashed. And I worked in affordable housing and I did a lot of um, work in the Los Angeles area. And then I helped out um, around UCLA, um, a lot of other areas with affordable housing. And then I transitioned to working for myself, especially during COVID. Working for yourself. I mean, I did that a few years back. Isn't it such a liberating feeling? It is. And scary. (laughs) You know, it's a mix. Like, I think it's a blessing. Ultimately, you know, you talked a lot about silver linings. And I think that um, the thing about working for yourself is it's a lot of hard work, but the payoff is just as great. Yeah, even even better in some cases. So let's take a step back here. And launching Cutie during a global pandemic could not have been a simple decision, an easy decision. What was that moment? Let's talk about that when you decided to fully commit and turn your dreams of launching a beauty brand into reality. Take us back to that moment, that decision process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think like a lot of people, COVID slowed down everybody. You know, um, I had a lot of time at home. I had a lot of time to reflect and really review my life and think, you know, what is it that I want? The world is changing. Um, You know, what can I do? What can I contribute? 
Um, how can I even be creative or be happy during this time? And I've always been a fan of art. I've always been a fan of nail art specifically. And I've always been an entrepreneur. So during COVID, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? Um, this pandemic is going to change a lot of lives. And where, where do I want to see myself on the other side of this? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, how do I want to arise from this pandemic? And I like to think of myself as the type of person who always meets challenges. And so I said, you know what? I want to do something that is creative so that I'm not bored <laughs> during the pandemic. You know, that's like important. a lot of women. Say it again. So that's important, right? You don't want to be bored. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want to be bored. Um, I wanted to express my creativity. I wanted to find the silver lining and be happy. And like a lot of women, I was going crazy because I couldn't do a lot of the self-care routines that actually ease a lot of stress. So I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I really want to get my nails done. I want to make myself feel better. Um, and then I had this idea to kind of, um, you know, create instant nail art. I, I realized a lot of women were experiencing the same frustrations as myself. And so I said, how can I solve that problem? And I thought about it. And being a person who went to uh, UC Berkeley, I'm very purpose-driven. Being a woman of color, I'm very purpose-driven. So I said, you know what? I don't want to just start another, uh, you know, nail polish company. I wanted to have purpose. No, and, and I love that. We'll get into that in a second. But what were you doing right before you made that decision? Where, where were, you, were you working for a company, working for a corporation? Yeah, actually, you know, right when the housing market crashed, I was working um, in affordable housing. I was a property manager working in real estate. And along the lines, I decided to kind of um, do that for myself. So I became a real estate investor. I'm really passionate about um, changing communities. And I started investing in uh, lower income communities and changing them. You know, so I started, um, you know, creating housing and, and, and allowing people to have the opportunity to live in nice homes. So it's interesting. You talk about it, and I'm kind of smirking along the way because I remember the first few months of the of the pandemic. Um, my wife kept looking at her nails, and they were just disgusting. And she, she, like every every woman, like they have their nail kit. She has like her bag and does like her nail things too. But she missed going to get her nails done, and she would take my eight year old daughter with her, and they bond over, it and it gets them out of the house. And they get manis and petties. Even got me into doing petties a couple of years ago. And I I tell everybody I get them I get them Smart twice woman. a year. I get them twice a year. And like, I'm telling you gentlemen out there, if you've never had a proper spa pedicure, they're life changing. They, they, <laughs> they, they really are here too. But fast forward, fast forward to the pandemic, right? Like people can leave their house. People don't want to be out there, especially in a very intimate, close setting. It's, it's getting your nails done. So talk to us about Cutie. What, what makes this product different than, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about nails. I don't know shit about nails. I'm sorry. Like, like Lee press on nails. Like what makes them different? Why would, why would somebody want to use your product over something else? And what, what, and what makes it special? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as a lot of people who, you know, get their nails done, um, they know that nail polish has been largely unchanged since its inception. It's wet, it's messy, it has fumes, it's toxic. It takes, a long dry. it takes a long time to dry. And, you know, you have a wife, I'm sure you've seen her walking around fanning her, fan, fanning her hands like a chicken. I can't deal with the dry. smell of nail polish either. It gets me. She did it once on an airplane. I almost, you know, threw her out of the plane. And so did half yeah. the plane. Thing. It's, it's very inconvenient and you can't really travel with nail polish. So um, I feel that the pandemic presented an opportunity to kind of create um, peel and press, not only uh, nail polish art, but nail polish. So it's portable. It doesn't have any dry time. Um, it's instant, takes two to three seconds to apply. And like you said earlier, it's made from real, real nail polish. So people can actually apply it and remove it like nail polish, but in half the times without the fumes, you know, things like that. And I'm not too familiar with the nail polish category. I mean, are there other, other similar products here? Like what makes it different? And, and did you have to go through the whole, you know, product development process? I mean, how long did that take? Tell us a little bit more about the process, about the product. 
Yeah, well, you know, nail polish for the most part, like I said, it's wet. You know, that's what everybody uses. It's a very wet application and it's inconvenient. Um, peel and press nail art is not a novel idea, like in the sense that I didn't invent it. I mean, that would be nice, but um, it is something that is very popular in the Korean beauty scene, but it's something that Americans don't take advantage of. And I saw the opportunity to kind of bring, you know, a Korean beauty tradition um, to the United States and kind of make it a little bit more um, uh, well known. And and talk to us about, did you do any market research? Did you test it out with your friends? Like, how did you know, like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in on this nail thing here. What was that like? Um, you know, it's funny. I did. I did a lot of testing. You know, I even had one of my really good friends come over and we sat at my dining room table and we had like a whole chart. We were going through designs. We were going through quality. We we're going through applications, the ease of use. We we're going through, um, you know, how to remove it. Uh, we definitely went through an extensive process trying to find the best um, um, medium for, for creating this product. So yeah, we, we put a lot of time and effort into it. I was very careful about the manufacturers that I chose. Um, I wanted to make sure that the ingredients were quality. I wanted to make sure that they were non-toxic, tin-free. Um, yeah, you know, the environment is very important to me. And I feel that, um, as a whole, most people are, are moving towards being more green and eco-friendly. So that's what I wanted to, um, make sure that my brand, uh, reflected in the products had, uh, as, as attributes as well. Got it. And and who is your target market and how'd you spread the word? Thank you for asking. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Times are changing. Once upon a time, I would have said my target market was women, you know, maybe age 18 to 55. Uh, to be quite honest, I don't know any woman or girl who has at least tried nail polish. So that's a very large spectrum. But, you know, nowadays uh, the world's becoming more progressive. So I would say it's inclusive of any and everyone um, that wants to wear nail polish. It's really a vehicle for expression and creativity. And I don't think I don't think that there is a restriction on gender for that. No, a hundred percent. And how'd you start to spread the word? I mean, how'd you get the word out about your product and where'd you sell it? Where do you sell it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, you know, again, at the top of the pandemic, you know, I had this idea uh, to do a, a beauty brand specifically rooted in nail polish. And I knew that, you know, last year, 2020, not only do we have the pandemic, but we had everything going on with Black Lives Matters. And as a black woman, I felt called to action. Um, at the same time, we had the elections coming up. So I thought to myself, I said, you know what? Um, social media is where you want to be now, if you want to get any kind of mass communication uh, type messaging out. And I said, you know, a lot of people appreciate Instagrammable moments, you know, of that's course. where most people's attention is. And with the elections, I said, you know, I think we can really provide a unique medium to kind of get the word out other than just your regular t-shirts or poster right. board, you know, for your regular candidate. So I, I approached uh, the When We All Vote team. I said, you know, I have a really unique idea. I know you guys are interested in tapping into um, maybe more of the youth. And I think that this could really do well. And so they liked the idea. Uh, I created the product. I did uh, When We All Vote Nails and we reached a network. I want to say between all of the influencers that we reached out, we reached a network of about like 36 million. Wow, that's incredible. And I don't need sales numbers, but doing all right, doing okay? Yeah, we're very profitable. I have to be honest. I, I did see this business coming. You know, I know I put it into the universe. I said, I want uh, to do something creative. I want to do something impactful. And here I am. But isn't that incredible? And we take a step back and, and we have this idea in our head and seeing it go from idea to fruition and now a profitable company that you're passionate about, that does good socially, that does good for the environment and helps people. And now, I mean, you have folks working for you. How big is the team? I do. I have a small team.
team. Uh, it's myself and I have about three, actually four. I have four other people that are helping me out. Then, of course, friends and family. They're really uh, excited about what I'm doing. They just want to get in and help. So I'm really grateful and appreciative uh, to their, you know, to their help and uh, all their effort. But, yeah, we have a small team and uh, we're doing well. We're turning out orders. Um, another great thing that came from the When We All Vote campaign is I have uh, quite a few influencers who have reached out to me. So we're going to be doing a couple of partnerships coming up. Um, mega influencers at that. So I was awesome. really honored. Yeah. You know, I'm just a little old brand, but you know, I think people believe in the cause. They believe in my mission and they want to take a stand with it. Let's define that. What is your mission statement? You know, my mission ultimately is to give people a platform to express themselves. I want people to be bold. I want people to be creative and I want people to be expressive. I want them to be them. And I feel that with nail art, um, you know, people can do that, you know, um, before, you know, people would often just wear colors. You know, you have cute red nails, you have cute blue nails. But um, by incorporating causes and, um, you know, platforms like When We All Vote, we're doing more than just being a, a pretty brand. You know, we're, we're being a brand that stands for something. So that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that my, my beauty brand uh, stands for something. Yeah, that's tremendous and, and certainly a great cause. So let's shift the conversation a little bit around to entrepreneurship. And would you recommend, you know, more early stage founders look for those partnerships with more established brands or causes like you've done with Third Love? Absolutely. You know, my time with Third Love was incredible. Um, you know, first of all, not many people get to shadow um, a CEO. You know, Third Love is a billion dollar um, broad intimates company. And I think they're third largest in the country, if not the world. I'm not sure to be exact. Um, but I got to work intimately with the, with the CEO, Heidi Zach. And um, she, her company allowed me to um, have mentors with each functional department. So I spoke with people from marketing. I spoke with people from social media, uh, from merchandising. And I really got a firsthand um, I really got firsthand exposure to the inner workings of a large and successful company like that. Um, so as a black woman, um, we often don't get insight into large Fortune 500 companies, um, you know, and how they work. So I definitely encourage people to seek opportunities because I think right now the time is right. I think a lot of companies are opening their doors and they're realizing, um, you know, things weren't as equal as we thought. And I think that that, um, that awareness is changing the times. And I think that people should strike while the iron is hot because who knows 100%. how long this is going to happen. Yeah, no, no, 100%. So let's shift the conversation to how you got involved with Michelle Obama's nonpartisan um, When We All Vote initiative. How did that come about? How did that get on your radar? And how did you get involved with them? Um, you know, I reached out to them. I knew the elections were coming up. I have voted every year of my life since I was able to. And I'm really passionate about democracy. I'm really passionate about um, the direction this country is headed in. And I think that, um, you know, whatever people believe in, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, I think what's most important is that you have to exercise your right to vote because 100%. that is of your existence. So I was just really passionate about getting more people out there to express how they felt, whatever their political beliefs were. Um, I reached out to When We All Vote because they were nonpartisan and they actually, um, they, they reached across the table to both sides. So uh, that's how that's how that happened. I, I reached out to them. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And many brands have adopted a social justice initiative or campaign, you know, following the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests we saw in the past year. Your Vote 2020 nail campaign, it did a great job of capturing some of that self-promotion where people would really post their, you know, I voted stickers. Uh, yeah. And that was fantastic as a symbolizing in their their right to vote. 
Why was this cause in particular the one that you picked and tried to accelerate it um, and dedicate a, a, a line of nails? I mean, is it really just tie into the whole, you know, Michelle, Michelle Obama program? You know, again, going to UC Berkeley, I've always been an activist at heart. You know, I've always felt the need. It's to, in the water um, there, right? There's something in the water there. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's something in the water. There's something in the people. For 50 years, exactly. <laughs> but there was always something within myself, you know, where I've always felt, um, you know, the, I've always felt a call to be righteous or to stand up for the underserved, even when I worked in affordable housing, you know. Um, again, that's that's an underserved population who deserves uh, a nice place to live as well. So I think it's just part of my being. And, um, you know, when we all vote, they, I just feel like the stars aligned, the timing was right. You know, the, like I said, it works. Like, yeah. And it, and it was perfect time. It was perfect alignment. Hey tribe, real quick shout out. I'm really excited to share with you a podcast I recently discovered called the art of excellence. The host Glenn Zwieg does these really engaging deep dive interviews with people who have achieved extraordinary success across all walks of life. He's interviewed business leaders like John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, and has also interviewed well-known thought leaders like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Deepak Chopra. He's interviewed Scott Kelly, the astronaut, another guy who's a top Hollywood stuntman, and so much more. And Glenn has an insatiable curiosity and does a great job of bringing these people to life. You can find it at theartofexcellence.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out. Thanks. Are there any other causes that you're passionate about? I mean, you mentioned the environment. I mean, where do you see this brand going as far as, you know, do good companies, uh, social good companies? Yeah. Uh, you know, to be honest, there are so many causes. It's, it's funny when people ask that because honestly, the type of person I am, I really want to help the world. I know that may sound naive or a little bit, uh, uh, you know, grandiose, but it's, it's the truth. And I it's think one that- step at a time, right? Little bites and pieces. <laughs> one step at a time. So I think um, what's most important to me is just doing what's on my heart and doing what I feel the world calls us to action for at the time. Um, so yeah, we will be having a lot more um, collections that are cause oriented and especially coming up for the, the new year. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit more about some of those challenges of entrepreneurship. Do you think that there's any, you know, being a black woman, do you think, do you feel it's a disadvantage? Did you feel that there was a, a larger hill that you had to climb, whether it came to funding, exposure, brand marketing, or just, you know, people taking you for real? I mean, what are some of those challenges that you faced? You know, that's a really interesting question because, um, I don't feel that, okay, well, it's twofold. Um, first and foremost, yes. I think as a black woman, as a black person in America, I definitely feel that there are a lot of obstacles that we experience that a lot of other cultures and minorities don't. Um, you know, I went to UC Berkeley and my network, although UC Berkeley is a great school, although I made a lot of connections, my network is still not as deep and vast as a lot, as a lot of other minorities, I mean, not minorities, um, you know, ethnicities and, and um, other groups. And I, to be honest, I really realized that when the pandemic hit. Um, this whole time I was naive and I thought, you know, all you have to, all you have to do is just work hard. You know, you just put a little sweat equity, you roll up your sleeves and you get to work and then you'll be successful. You get your white picket fence, you know, you're, you're 2.5 kids. And that's just how the world works. That is not how the world works for everyone. And unfortunately that's the truth. Um, so how did I realize that, uh, there was a program, uh, that I participated in uh, called Pay It Forward. 
And at the time, um, Kate Hewitt from Bombas, um, Bombas is a stock yep. company, and she did an incredible thing, in my opinion, where she uh, started this initiative where she reached out to her network and she invited them all to donate just a small amount of their time, open up their calendars, and really just consult and help um, people of color. And once I signed up and had quite a few meetings, I started to see how networks really work. And I don't feel that in our community, we have that network. Interesting. I mean, what was it? Was it? Were, what were some of those telltale signs? Were you were you seeing like you know maybe you had white friends, white colleagues that you saw they had bigger networks? I mean, why do you think it, you know it's being held back for people of color? Like, what's a, what's 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 the challenge? Like, what's it? What's the challenge there? I, I mean, it's tough for me. I'm, I mean, I'll be I'll be very transparent. Like, I have a very diverse network, but that's intentional. Yeah. You know, I I I I make it an intention because of my desire to have an all-encompassing, you know, no, I don't see race or color or anything like that. And I just wanted to surround myself with the best people and also have diverse mindsets. And, and that was intentional. Do you think yeah. that you think that you have to be intentional to diversify your network? Or maybe if, if you're, if you're not white, that you have to put in more effort, like there's, there's maybe resistance to folks wanting to mentor with people. I mean, let's have an honest conversation about it. I'm very curious. Well, you asked quite a few questions. Uh, I know there was a lot in there. I'm very inquisitive. <laughs> yeah, let me let me back up. Um, first, I think it's it might be fair to say it's a lot of people's intention to broaden their network, especially if you're ambitious, especially if you're going to college, especially you know if you're trying to be upwardly upwardly, upwardly um, mobile and and right. now. Um, but I think that when you look at history, I think that when you look at privilege, when you look at advantages, a lot of people just don't have the head start that white people do. It's, it's the truth. And it's just the truth. Yeah. I mean, I, we can't deny that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's not necessarily right or wrong. It is what it is right now. And it's. It's something that needs to change. So that's how I look at it. I look at it. It's, it's something that it existed for whatever period of time. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, were you going to say something? No, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. It's, ab it's oh. absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that um, at least in my network, I, I know a lot of people that went to school that, that I went to school with that are very intelligent, very bright. And it's been difficult for them. You know, they did have to work very hard and um, uh, they will say out their own mouths that they did feel a lot of times that that they had to work. Uh, maybe twice as hard. So I don't think that I stand alone when I feel that way. And and personally, in my career, you know, when I um, participated in the Pay It Forward and I started to talk to a lot of people, what I noticed was um, a lot of their they weren't they were intentional about their network, but because they had that foundation, whether it was their family that encouraged them to have the network, or maybe their family had a network of their own and paid that network forward to their kids. You know, whether they got their child yeah, you know, they, they there's just an established um, sense of opportunity. That's the best. Yeah, I can put. I, and I think that's fair. So, so what advice would you give to a young black female entrepreneur trying to forge her way into the world of startups and fundraising and getting her voice heard and seen? What advice would you give? Yeah, I think the number one advice I would give is it's not easy, first of all, for any entre entrepreneur, let alone an entrepreneur of color. Uh, I would also say to uh, reach out to your network. You know, uh, a lot of times 
um, birds of a feather flock together. And if you're the ambitious one in your group, there's a there's a high likelihood that your friends are as well. And there's strength in numbers. And a lot of communities work together. You know, they pull their money together. They pull their manpower together. And I often tell my family, you know, hey, look at us. You know, we're about 10 people. I'm talking about my cousins right now. We're about 10 people. We're all college educated. We're all hard workers. And here we are uh, working individually when if we work collectively, we can get a lot faster. Uh, we can get a lot farther faster. So I would tell um, any young entrepreneur out there to do the same. Look to your network. Don't give up. Um, be consistent. And honestly, pray about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, some sound, that's some absolute sound advice there. And for you, Ara, what was the most unexpected or challenging thing that happened to, to your business in the past year? Tell, tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly in the past, you know, 12 to 16 months. Oh, gosh. Um, the ugly is working around the clock, you know, uh, not knowing if you're going to get paid that day, you know, but, but the good is digging deep feeling this sense of passion, feeling this sense of fulfillment and knowing instinctually that you're walking in your purpose and you're, you're, you're creating some kind of good and you're moving the needle because every time you see a sale, you realize somebody in the world found you and someone believed in you. And I feel that that is an incentive to keep walking forward. That's a strong statement. And, and thank you so much for sharing. So I like to wrap up every show with really trying to understand my guest as a person, as a business man or woman, and really what motivates them. Ara, what, when I say the word authentic, what does that mean to you? Ooh, uh, authentic for me means truth. It means being unabashedly yourself. And it means having the courage to do that. Um, and it means, it means hmm. having passion. And again, passion to be yourself. That's that's what I feel it means. No, that's that's fantastic. And what would you say so far to date is your is your greatest professional accomplishment? Oh goodness! Uh, you know, it's funny. My friends tease me because I never take inventory of any accolades or any accomplishment. But I will say, being in Forbes last year was kind of a big deal. So that was exciting. And uh, a couple of other um, magazines and and. Um, uh, periodicals featured our company as well. And I didn't expect that. Uh, it's okay really sometimes, excited. right? Like it's nice. It's hard because a lot of us, you know, when the, when the, when the spotlight is sh it's shining on us, we're not used to it. We're not expecting it, and we don't know how to react, but you know what? It's okay to take that victory lap. I think that's important as an entrepreneur because that's what we're striving towards to be successful, to make something out of it. And when someone's giving us accolades, we need to, uh, you know, take it to our, what, what, you know, you, you mentioned that you're surrounded by family and, and I could get a sense of family and friends are very important to you and what's yeah. the greatest. Yeah. And like, and I'm sure you get tons of advice and words of wisdom, but is there one piece of advice that you have heard that you repeat every single day and take action on? Don't quit. That resonates the most with me. And um, that's the feedback I get from my family. I mean, I'm human as well. Uh, times get tough. Uh, you're really walking in faith. You don't know what's going to happen the next day, uh, even the next hour sometimes, you know, especially in a pandemic. And I think that when you're an entrepreneur, when you're passionate about what you're doing, there's just something inside of you that just uh, ignites you and keeps you going. And uh, although I get down sometimes, you know, or though I have days where I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? Um, it's that little voice or it's my family or it's my friends that um, really are my quote unquote footprints in the sand and tell me don't quit, keep going. And I've gotten as far as I have um, because of their support and my dedication. 
And I love it. And what would you say is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you who you are? <laughs> um, I think I have very good vision. I think that I can see things before they happen and I see it in my head before it plays out. And it's just a matter of taking what's in my head and then just um, bring it to fruition. I love it. That's awesome. And last but not least, when you look back, you know, at those times in your life when when maybe you were at your lowest, maybe when you were struggling, maybe you were trying to figure out what's next and you had to look up and you had to pull yourself up and really harness that inner tenacity. And on the flip side, when we're talking right now and you're talking about, you know, all the good that you've done, the positive impact, you've built this organization, it's making a positive social change. What do you look to to show gratitude? What do you look to to pull yourself up when you're down? Ara Sims, what is your North Star? I am very spiritual. My North Star tends to uh, tends to revolve around meditating and praying, to be quite transparent and honest with you. Um, I have had a longstanding practice for maybe about 12 years now, and I feel that my spirituality is the most important thing to me, especially when the going gets tough. Uh, I learn to quiet myself, uh, remove the chatter, and get grounded. And when I do that, I feel that I can receive better direction. And I highly encourage other people, if they can find the time and space, to do the same, because all you have is yourself to depend on. And sometimes the world can be a little challenging. And if you can learn to tune that out, I think that can be the greatest gift that you can give to yourself so that you can remain powerful and you can continue to um, do whatever you're called to do. I love it. That's fantastic. Ara, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, I appreciate you. I look forward to continuing our relationship in any way I could help you out. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Sure. Uh, you can follow my company on Instagram. It's uh, at cutie nails, K-Y-U-T-E-E -E nails. And um, I just started an Instagram for myself, funny enough. It's Sims, A-R-A-H-S-I-M-S. And uh, our website, cutie.com, K-Y-U-T-E-E.com. And that's how you guys can find me. Awesome. Fantastic. And hang with me for one moment here. And everyone joining us today, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You know where to find more information and all the episodes at thepodcast.com. If you like this episode, please share it, leave a review, leave a rating. It goes a long way and we greatly appreciate you. Remember, look out for each other, stay six feet apart, wash your hands and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.